Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Monk on the Mountain podcast. I'll tell you what, today is a monumental day for the podcast. We have our first celebrity on the show. <laughs> I want to welcome, with an open heart and an open mind, one of the pioneers of the fashion industry and a world-class model, a performer, and an artist, and a lifetime <laughs> spiritualist, Pat Cleveland. Pat, thank you for coming on Monk on the Mountain today. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me because this is a good way to be had in the spirit. You have to have the spirit. Yeah. So you've been on this journey for a long, long time. And when you first began, there wasn't any outreach or resources. Like you had to go seeking in temples and, and in books and in your own self. Tell me a little bit about like how your journey started and Tell everybody what it was like for you. Well, being mystic as something that was sort of a forbidden thing to be uh, in the early 60s. Uh, I think it was in 1966 when I, everybody was a flower child around and, and hippies. And there was Sachi Dananda. He came to do yeah, Sachi this Dananda. wonderful concert up in Martha's Vineyard. People were. MIT students and poets and wearing long hair. That was sort of forbidden to have that long hair. And the boys were trying not to be killed in wars. And everybody was protesting because they wanted to be in love. Being in love is what it's all about. But living in love is what they were trying to tell us, that they just wanted to live in love and not war. And then um, I met someone who was a musician, and he was the son of a famous, famous uh, musician, Billy Eckstein. It was his son, and he was a street poet. He was a poet, and he was so against society because everything was so harsh and mechanical, and he just wanted to sing his song of love, and he bought himself a bass, bass recorder, but he played it transverse in the night to someone named Jove, his, his energy god that lived up in the universe. And I was enthralled and I was in, I just thought this was the greatest thing that someone could make such beautiful music coming out of the universe. And the universe suddenly, because of this person, opened to me more than the stars or you know, astrology wasn't even a thing then. People didn't even talk about astrology. Everything was so like, it could have been black magic or white magic or all of those things that are, people are so afraid of being close to nature. And all the young people just wanted to be barefoot on the grass and, and speak to the universe. And I just remember also at that time, you know, Hair, the musical. And I knew Jerry and Jerome from the musical Hair. and. They wrote all about, you know, let the sun shine and the age of Aquarius before anybody could really grasp what that meant. And now we're in it. Right. But coming through that time and um, not so much knowledge was in America about Eastern philosophy, <laughs> the way people feel life. There was uh, no pages to read or we didn't have the internet or YouTube or podcasts or anybody giving any information about these unusual openings of sensation in the 
in your spirit where you could sit peacefully under a tree in the park and just allow all of those elements to play through you as though you were part of the earth and the sky. And it was sort of like, oh, well, you shouldn't do that. You can't do that. You have to stick to the routine of going into buildings and elevators and subways and making a living and wearing gray suits or whatever it was, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, I met this student from MIT. Now, these are some really, really smart people that I was involved with that lived in this commune in Manhattan. And there were painters and this one MIT student played the tabulas and he was into uh, meditation. And he closed his eyes and we sat in the room together and he could play tabla for 12 hours without what? stopping. What is a tabla? It's a drum, an Indian drum. Okay. It's two metal drums, you know, with a skin on top. And it's, it's music that's used in Indian music. It's tabla. It's Amazing. beautiful drum music. And he also played the violin, but, um, and he also had a tambura. <laughs> a tambura I know what a tambura, a tambura is. And uh, these Indian instruments. And so we started listening to Ravi Shankar and listening to the notes and the music from India and closing our eyes and feeling the sensation of sort of out of bodiness. And mm-hmm. I was 16 when this happened, and the first man walked on the moon. So that was a different kind of universe. That was a physical universe, but we were talking about a mystical, mystical universe. And the Beatles came around with Magical Mystery Tour in the Yellow Submarine, and they started bringing this young feeling of colorfulness and flowers and love. And you just wanted that, be a part of that. And so I guess it all started with being able to sit in the uh, Padasana lotus pose. And that was the beginning for me of realizing my body was able to float and be free. All I had to do was close my eyes and allow myself to disappear into this beautiful music and Mm. feeling. Yeah, that's incredible. And we take for granted that we have YouTube and we have books now and podcasts and and just it's more in the mainstream as as though Mm. people are more aware of it. It doesn't mean that we're any smarter now, though, or that we've, uh, we've figured it out any better. I think that the simplicity of, of your time probably allowed people to have even deeper breakthroughs because they had to be within themselves. They weren't trying to like experience what they had heard or what they had been told that they should experience in their spiritual growth or their experience like you were just having a spiritual experience. Well, it was beyond the mind. It wasn't about, oh, I know all of these things and I've read this and I, I'm going to try that. It was an experience. And not to mention that the psychedelics had entered the story that people were be able to take LSD or smoke marijuana or, you know, things that were of that kind of nature. Not the other drugs, not the cocaine or the heroin, right. or anything, but it was more like all the hippies were smoking and and feeling like so relaxed, you know, medicating themselves in that relaxed way. And the tripping was like the LSD was a psychedelic 
new thing that had come around to open people's minds to color and and depth of of dimension. Truly. I love that you said that mm. depth of dimension. Mm. That's how I would describe it as well. It's like what you're perceiving. You can see a new depth to it and you mm. can go deeper into your experience of it. I find that LSD is less awakening, so to speak, than like psilocybin mushrooms. Mm. Like uh, LSD is a good like gateway into expanding your consciousness. But when you meditate on LSD, mm. Mm-hmm. it's not as like profound or as controlled as if you meditate on psilocybin. LSD is more like welcome to the universal party <laughs> and uh, mushrooms are more like the mind of God experience. Well, that's something, you know, people travel to places like Bali and different parts of the world to have that experience in nature. And, you know, you just time passes and you see things, you see the nature so much a part of yourself. and. You become one with everything, and it's very, very um, intense. And meditation in natural is much better, actually. Truly, because you're not depending on anything except your own discipline and growth. It's something that you do, and it's something that where you, it's a challenge to be able to be consistent, like with yoga. Physical yoga is so important because you know you have this temple that was given to you in this life that your soul lives inside of. But if you don't take care of it, (laughs) then things just fall off of you. All that things that could belong to you, your inner life, do not exist anymore. You know, you can never touch places within your own soul that you are allowed to go and expand if you if you don't do some sort of discipline. I mean, it's not like if you take the mushrooms and you have an experience, it's a teaching experience, but it's not something that you can do from day to day, like in mm-hmm. the practical way. Yeah, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. And I've always uh, been an advocate of the the sober, lucid meditation experience, mm. because I feel like there's the most grounding and the most, the most believable experience. Because when you have an experience with the addition of like a psychedelic, it's like, how much of that was my mind? How much of that was a psychedelic? What is my imagination? You start to have those like kind of ideas in your mind. But when you have a meditation practice, a disciplined meditation practice, and you know that you're completely sober and then you experience these waves of blissful energy or you experience seeing orbs manifest around you or different abilities that you have becoming awakened, you know that it's coming from a place of natural expansion and natural evolution of consciousness. And you can ground it into yourself so it becomes a part of your life that you don't need another substance to activate it. You know that it's a part of what you are. It's a gift. You have to take it. And enjoy it. You have to say, make a choice and experiment with your own ability to understand things. It's, it's a beautiful, heart-expanding. And, well, I just want to talk about Kundalini. Because, oh, God. Let's talk about it. <laughs> because, um, you know, some people, they say, ah, oh, the Kundalini awakening and the serpent 
and all these kind of things that people can become afraid of, you know, so much fear becomes so not a part of what kundalini is. People are afraid of these things that maybe if you go there, you can never come back. But it is so much like lighting a candle and suddenly the flame is burning and you're in this dance. You become the flame of life and you get this sensation that everything that is not a part of you, that is not full of light, can just be burnt away by understanding these techniques that you can use to come in contact with your spirit that is growing constantly and elevating. You elevate yourself through your own practice. You practice because you want to know these things that are the gift. Well, there's such a beauty in the balancing of your own self. Yeah, and I love how you're describing kundalini. Mm -hmm. I've had kundalini awakening about 11 years ago, and I've (laughs) lived with kundalini ever since, and it's something that I don't usually talk about with people because like you said, like there's a connotation behind it. There's ideas and there's fear and the serpent. I always try to tell people lately, like don't try to be a word. Like don't don't get caught up in the words or the symbols. They're not the actual experience of it. Well, as you were speaking about Kundalini, I can begin to feel my Kundalini starting to bubble uh-huh. at the base of my spine. Yeah. So for anybody who hasn't had these experience before or seek them, Kundalini is an extremely powerful, magical, mystical force within your physical body that is a bridge for your consciousness between the physical and the non-physical experience of your consciousness and an integration of your soul into your physical experience and your physical experience into the non-physical reality. So that's a lot of words. What it feels like is an extremely beautiful, blissful, powerful, liquid energy that rises up your spine. And as it goes higher and higher through your chakra system and through each vertebrae, it has an increased level of pleasure and bliss and enlightenment with it. And as it raises up through your throat and into your third eye, if you can get it that high, as Pat said, it burns away in a pleasant way everything that isn't you and brings you back into a pure state of consciousness and awareness alongside of extremely pleasurable physical experience that comes with it. And if you are able to see that experience of Kundalini through, you will have a beyond the physical out-of-body experience. Your consciousness will leave the physical realm and you will be shown something that you've never seen before. And it's completely safe and completely blissful and you come right back in your body and it's okay. And I think it's really good to have someone who's been along that path before, you know? Totally. If you really, really want it, it's there for you. It's there for you. And it either will come to you or you will seek it out. And then you will be guided. And I think that's really important that um, you have that. I see that sometimes that with my own practices... I have learned so much continually, even till now, from when I began. You think, ah, that's it. But there's so, so much beauty in understanding newness of yourself. Like recently, you know, I realized that um, 
since I have these wonderful energies in myself, I have to pay attention to my body, not only the front of my body, but the back of my body, like how the energy comes into me. Where does that energy come into me when I'm allowing myself to focus on different areas of healing as for per se, like when you imagine that these chakras that are along your energy coming from the earth up to the heaven, they say man is between the earth and the heaven. Yeah. If you're standing in between the heaven and the earth and you are a part of all the minerals and the earth and the mother earth and you feel all of that energy coming in to you through your feet and up and then you feel your humanness and your heart expansion and then your your father god heaven how you see that thing in the light is expanding in your mind and you begin to have this vision that is so bright that it just takes you away from all pains or sorrows or anything that might be blocking your way of being. And from a healing, a healer's point or perspective, I feel there's so much to learn in this mystical, spiritual world. And Oh my gosh. <laughs> right now I'm floating. <laughs> I'm floating listening mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. and I know that anybody listening to this is floating too. I hope you guys aren't driving. <laughs> <laughs> you are hitting it directly in the center. Mm-hmm. It's rare that I'm um in awe of a person's experience, but I am truly in a position of of humbleness to be in your presence because you've reached a high level of society you've reached the highest levels you are you are a world class model you've been in the fashion industry for longer than i've been alive <laughs> your entire family has been on the cover of vogue and anybody who's anybody in the fashion industry knows who pat cleveland is i've mm-hmm. seen you in pictures with versace <laughs> with gucci the owners the founders <laughs> not the clothes and to have somebody who's experienced that level of society and is so spiritually gifted and grounded and disciplined, what was that like for you to be floating in those realms of human high society and culture and also being a seeker of spirit? Well, you never know where you're going to be in the world. Things are belief and things are dreams and they do come true. But you have to ride that magic carpet all the time. You know, you, could, you have to stay on it and see that there are other beings who are, you know, maybe you don't even know who they are that come into your life. And they are creative people. And they may need you with them on their journey to reach another level. And all the people that I've known have all been many artists and those things that they had dreamt of i have dreamt of those things too maybe it's a lifestyle or some way of expressing a creativity through creating beautiful things and i'm just a girl who likes to dress up and feel good and it's a kind of 
dignity, I say that. Respect yourself. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's one of the yoga things, you know, mm-hmm. grooming yourself, not in a vain way, but no. in a way that um, you it's a ceremony you beautify to electrify in a way. You beautify to inspire like a peacock, you know. They, they don't know. They just keep themselves very true to feeling a certain energy and then the feathers open and because they are what they are, that beauty is expressed. And the people that I've been around are, well, a flock of peacocks really, but they are creative people. And that doesn't come from nowhere. Inspiration is very a high order. It's a very high order of just being a human being, allowing yourself to express yourself and how you do it. You can choose that. You can choose if you're lucky or you believe that you can choose. And at some point, you never know. And being in those levels of society, people mm, think uh, sometimes it's not a good thing, but it is sometimes a good thing. It is sometimes good because... Many levels of society, there are artists, and they make it good for every level of society. You see around Philadelphia sometimes you see the murals and you see the the mosaic walls and you see the street art, and every level of society has its art, its fashion, its style, its what it does. And so I just think I was lucky because of my dreams and and wishes and hopes and having that integrity enough to stick with it. Yeah. You know, you have to have that kind of discipline. Yeah. <laughs> discipline. Discipline is the way. It's the only way to get anything or to become anything. And mm-hmm. on the spiritual path, discipline is your best friend. Mm-hmm. If you stay disciplined with only a single thing and that single thing is your meditation mm-hmm. every day, you will change and you will have profound experiences that are beyond human understanding. And I feel also that, you know, like each individual human being in this, on this planet has come along with, I must say, a guardian angel. At least one. <laughs> At least your own. One for you, one for you, one for you, one for you. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, don't forget that because, you know, we tend to not believe things. But if you believe something, it can help you to achieve that and manifest things in your life that might give you a better way to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now touching back on um, the high society, mm-hmm. were you received as a spiritualist within that culture or was that something that you guarded or <laughs> did you use it as like, um, like a flag of freedom? Like this is who I am in this space. Well, I think in the beginning people used to laugh at me because when I, first started in the shows and things. Well, a little later when I was a young adult, like in 20, I think when I was 16, I started with yoga. By the time I was 19, 20, I was very much into my asanas. Uh, I would talk to people that were in society that were from another time, maybe much 20 years my senior or had not had the yogic experience. And they'd laugh at me like, oh, why are you doing that? That's so ri- ridiculous. That's stupid. That's, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. 
But my soul was there saying and screaming to them, please don't eat animals. Please take care of yourself. See, there's a brighter side to yourself. You need to take the time to listen to that. I was always saying those things and meditating. And, oh, it was just kind of, now people that, (laughs) it's funny, the people that I told to do these things, because that was a gift that was given to me to be able to do those yoga things. Now they do them because they have evolved a bit, I think. We don't know why we get the opportunity to sit with a guru or lama or a healer. We don't know why we, we are fortunate. But maybe in another life I have had that training or maybe this is the gift that was given to me to be able to see past the veil, to live my inner and li- outer life. And my outer life was a platform and I thought, some of my friends who were yogis and they went on to be teachers and I, I, it was a funny incident. A friend of mine, he was a photographer and we were studying to be yoga teachers <laughs> with Sachi Dananda. And it was like at the end of a class and he, and he said, I'm going to get a pizza. And I said, well, I'm hungry. I'm going to get a pizza too. And then I I just stopped doing my yoga and I went to get the pizza. And before you know it, I was out in the world that had nothing to do with yoga. And I said, why am I out here in this crazy fashion world and nobody, no one else is doing this? And have I lost my place in my spiritual life? Am I going to lose all of this training? But little did I know that I had to be where I was in that high society life, to teach other people that may not ever have had the chance to go to take the time to go down deep into themselves and take the time to understand what it means to look inside. Because that exterior glamour and all that life is very, very fast and people live fast and die young because they get burnt out, you know? And so I always see, you know, the high society life, sometimes people come near you and they confess their whole life standing in front of you and you give them a little seed, a bindi, a little sound, a little voice, a little message, and then they can go on the path too. So I think my entire soul has been in that society so that I could shed a little light or give a little seed to someone that didn't have that opportunity to sit with that guru, sit with that lama or that healer, so that they could see that, ah, what did you do? Why are you like stardust? Why are you feeling so happy in this gloomy world? And I could be an example for that. And that is probably why, you know, after 55 plus years that, you know, I have been in that high society maybe because of that inner life, that soul that is connected to my teachers that have given me that opening. Yeah, it's extremely impressive and enlightening to hear your experience of it because it's something that many people wish that they could have experienced or want to experience because they see the glamour 
and they see the the money and the fame or the the vainness of it but you were in there just being a guru <laughs> you were just there to help help mm-hmm. others find the way and mm-hmm. obviously it's a testament to your discipline and to your spiritual level that you didn't succumb to the lesser frequency things within that culture and within the higher society standing across from you now mm-hmm. i won't say your age but it's hard <laughs> to believe that you've been in you know the industry for over 55 years you look young <laughs> vibrant you have great energy great skin <laughs> great flexibility and mobility and that's obviously because of your yoga meditation spiritual choices well i think it's just the fact that you know you have to see what that comes from the things that you put on the outside of you they really come from how you respect the divine energy is what I, I talk about most of the time when I want to speak to people about divine energy. It's th- what they call beauty, you know, is balance. And when you're surrounded by all of that temptation and all that champagne and the gorgeous beaded dresses and all the things, I just sort of put it on and, and wear it like a flag. I, I march through because it's an industry where there's so many thousands of people involved and you think that my position, it seems frivolous and people say, oh, well, she's just a model, but I'm just something that's there to help other people to have a life, to feed their family. You know, I'm just a component, one part of a business that people who make fabrics and sew and create and oh, there's so much involved in Writers, photographers, sculptors, painters, designers, people who make music, everyone is in this fashion world, you know, that they want to express some kind of beauty and you're just a part of it. And when I'm walking on the runway, and that's one of my specialties, and I just sort of disappear and, and I allow the spirit to speak through me to make those moves. So it's like a dance, the dance of Shiva. And I, I try to burn up all the negativity in the room. There's a sad situation, you know, in the world. This kind of hummingbird appearance that I make is just to give you a glimmer of something else in that if you have any kind of creative spirit, it's just a glimmer of, yes, it's a possibility for a girl like me, you know, a very skinny girl that was made fun of and laughed at and to have that that gift, it was just like someone lifted me up and put me on that, in front of that camera or on that runway or working with these artists. It, it was just like, I just prayed to be loved, really. And all that love came to me through those creative people and I just gave it back. That's all. It was just a big, it's just a big love affair with some kind of art. I get lost sometimes talking no, about it. Listen, I'm floating right now. Like the energy that you're mm-hmm. emitting, I feel like I'm a part of everything that you just described. Like I'm completely enveloped energetically mm-hmm. in the experience. And I honestly feel mm-hmm. like I'm floating right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that it's incredible that you were seeking love and found love by being loved. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the formula? Well, you get what you give out. <laughs> yeah. And you get what you are. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I always say, like, the universe will show you what you are. Well, you have to be your true self. And when they always say, be a little selfish, that means find your true self. That means find your true self. How do you find your true self? Do you know what that is? You know, when they say, be yourself, where? Oh, so this is how you do it. Sit. And you float on a lotus. You imagine that you are on a lotus. And you allow yourself to sit there and float in this pond of peacefulness. And when you're floating in that pond of peacefulness on that beautiful lotus that's fragrant, you're surrounded by an energy that is beyond nature and is divine nature. And what happens is that you go into being who you truly are. There's a center, there's a little seed of yourself that is like a bright light that's inside. When they say be yourself, that's who you truly are, that little bright light. It always can be gigantic, very, very tiny. From the largest thing to the smallest thing, you can be all that. Yeah. Yeah, and it appears in so many different ways and so many sensations, so many experiences of yourself and, and of others. And mm-hmm. seeing that light in others mm-hmm. is a path to our own healing and our own ascension. Mm-hmm. Because when we look at others as if they're separate from us, mm-hmm. or we look at others within their faults that we perceive, or faults that they perceive within themselves, we're limiting our experience of knowing and experiencing all the beautiful majesty that's here for us. Mm-hmm. Now, you make wonderful art. I've <laughs> seen your art. It is so just beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking sacred geometry. Mm-hmm. Sanskrit symbolism, mm-hmm. things that you've channeled from yourself, from your experiences. When did you start making your art, and what does that experience mean for you? What is what are you doing with your art? Well, art is a healing. Uh, it's a gift of healing, whether it's music or dance or writing or painting or anything that you can do. Healing is an art. For me, art is healing, and my paintings. I had uh, cancer three years ago, colon cancer. So I had a big operation and I survived it. And it was only because that I had a mantra that I repeated. And um, I was aware of my body and took care of it on time. And During the healing process, when I come through the chemo and the pain of all this uh, change, physical change that I had to heal, I uh, started painting more of my journey, the journey of healing. And the character, as she becomes into the light and more blooming, she learns all the things about who she can be and the tools that she can have to go towards her beautiful, blooming, healing life. And the paintings are too. Everything that I learn, I learn healing. Reiki, Master Healing. I've learned that during my healing. I've learned Sanskrit so that I could chant more beautifully by using the articulation, the mantras and the alphabet, which is a sacred thing in its own. I put the colors that are supposed to change the vibration in the room through the chakras. The colors of the chakras, magic seven or beyond, we don't know all the... And I fill my life with rainbows on the paintings so that 
one of them lands in a space, it can change the energy for me, hopefully for others. Well, it does. It does. And when you're creating, especially when you're using any liquid <laughs> as a medium, mm -hmm. the energy is captured in that creation. So when you're creating from the love of your mind and energetically your auric field is in that state of love. And when you put the paint or the clay or whatever it is onto the medium, it captures that. And that's why art is open to interpretation because the energy is captured and then it's expressed outwardly and people receive that and it lights up things within them and it ignites new expansion for their mind. And I, I love all art and I especially love yours. It is truly beautiful and inspiring <laughs> and you can feel the energy of it. You can't look at a Pat Cleveland painting <laughs> and not feel spiritual. <laughs> you cannot uh, not think more of, of life. Now, in all of your practice, mm -hmm. I know that you went the route of being like the Hindu mm -hmm. priestess mm -hmm. seeker. So you took on a spiritual name. Mm -hmm. What is that spiritual name that you took on and what does it mean? Well, uh, I was given the name Gango Tree. Gango Tree. Uh, in, in India, there's a river, the Ganges, and the Gangotri is a place in North India. At the Gangotri, there are three rivers. The three rivers meet in Gangotri, and this is where the three rivers, the soul. And these three rivers exist, energy within your spine, chakras. There's a center where there's a line from your base chakra up through top your head. The crown. Yes, the shashum. This is one of the rivers that's in the center. And there's the, the other two rivers that come down to Gangotri. One is on the left. The Ida and the Pingala. See, I know things. <laughs> yes, you do. You're very intelligent. And one is the sun, one is the moon. And you know, there is the dark and the that we go through. But when we have this energy of these three rivers, these three rivers, we have these three rivers to give us energy in our life. And so, if we float along the river without fear, and we know that we are in this river, we are in the Ganga tree, we have this energy we can always drink out of this nectar and this bliss of the Ganji, which in real life is the Ganges. So the Gango tree is symbolic of the Kundalini awakening. Yes, and also I was given this name by Gurumai. And when I went to meet with her in Spain, well, I had been practicing. And I, I was so happy to meet this Guru. And I was, tears, I was so Happy, the tears of joy were streaming like a river down my cheeks. And when I met her, she gave me the name Gangotri because she had opened my Shakti. She had blessed me with opening the Shakti pot within me. And when you meet a spiritual being like a guru, they give you the gift of Shakti pot, which is why everything in my life changed. And that was something like 37, 30 years ago or so. I just feel as though all the dead leaves fell off me. 
and everything is bright. And there's where I live in that Shakti pot. That That's Shakti incredible. Pot. And she used the peacock feather, yes. right? As her wand. Yeah. Something delicate, beautiful. And powerful. And powerful. And vibrant. And she taps you on the top of your head and you go sit down and you don't know what happened. The whole world disappears and you're in this beautiful, divine, floating feeling. All things are bright and all things. It's as though when they say the chakras are all these petals, these flowered petal discs with all of these constantly changing energy of petals reviving themselves. What happens is they all open up at once and all the dead petals fall off and all the things are vibrant and then you're just blended into oneness. That's what happens with Shakti Pot. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And um, as a person that teaches energy work, mm -hmm. I'm fascinated by the, the conduit of that and the, mm -hmm. the energetic chemistry of what creates that experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to learn how to give a Shakti Pot blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, and give that to my students as well, because mm -hmm. the truth is that the energetic experience is as real, if not more real than any physical experience that we're having. Mm -hmm. There are certain formulas energetically within our mind, within our feeling state and within our physical body that can activate the chakras, that can activate the higher dimensional energy of consciousness within. Mm -hmm. And the ancient teachings knew about this. And I think it's because they didn't have media, television, distraction in all of the forms. So they had lifetimes of teachings and passing down the knowledge of self and that was their that was their entertainment, so to speak. Well this is the Aquarian age, so East meets West, and so we are blended into understanding the egg of recreating ourselves. You know, we break open this egg and we come out like the Phoenix, but beyond that is this the, the truth is that we can get to our real selves through this Shakti pot and this feeling that, you know, what we are growing towards is this feeling of the Shakti pot. What we are growing towards is this universal, you know, shedding of the egg, coming out, coming to life and understanding our own powers and our own blessings and our own healings individually and together as source and combined prayer with everyone who sends out energy for the world through loving heart and healing energy. Everyone is a healer, but they need, everyone needs to have this now available power to heal the world, to take your energy and combine it with the other energies of making this beautiful life that we deserve to have. 100%. Mm -hmm. and you are preaching to the choir. I know. They're out there. They're the choir. Yeah, they are the we choir. Are the choir. Maybe we are the, the choir. We are the choir. For we sure. We are the choir in harmony. We need to sing out this bliss. Say the word. Light a candle. Hold your hands to your heart. Allow the energy to come through you, through your heart, to the back of your heart, out to the world. Send that love out. Send that world, everything that you are made of, to change the energy like that butterfly that flaps its wings in another part of the world. The butterfly effect is real. Mm -hmm. And I always also mm -hmm. equate it to like if you drop a stone in a pond, it makes mm -hmm. a ripple and that ripple doesn't stop until it meets the shore. Mm -hmm. Every single thing is affected by that ripple. Mm -hmm. Every thought that we have is a ripple. Every action, every spiritual movement is a ripple in our world mm -hmm. and the world of the lives around us. Mm -hmm. Now, in your experience, 
could you share if you ever had like a very profound mystical experience like have you ever been approached or visited by another being yeah. or have you ever seen anything that was completely non-physical could you share an experience well in the like beginning that? when i didn't have the training of understanding what was what it was very frightening in the beginning because if you don't know what you're doing and you i think i've always had this some sort of awareness since i was very young about hearing beautiful angel sounds and when I was very young, I, I would hear angel sounds and they would speak through me and I could say things or speak words that I didn't know, understand where they were coming from and I, I could say things and speak to grown-ups about things, really older, elder people about truths, about angels and their protection and and tell them and, and write beautiful songs, you know, sing beautiful melodies. And that was the beginning of hearing these beautiful sounds. And um, I remember I was very young um, before I was 15 and that would happen. And then when I was um, 16 or so and I wanted to be in contact with my sensual energies and I didn't know, I knew that my body was developing and I didn't understand why I had certain feelings or then I understood what yoga, what like uh, an asana was. And I, and I could feel something was positioning my body and wanting me to understand how to use my body for wellness. And it was like something when I, I did my yoga, it was just like, I wasn't even doing the movement. Something like when you're a dancer, when you're a dancer, or even I apply this to my work, it's not even me making those movements. It's something is doing it for me. It's like I say, this is the energy and it moves my body. It's a physical attachment to some kind of being that changes things for me or teaches me to walk. When I was not well at one time, I was dancing and I hurt myself and I was in a wheelchair for like six months trying to wow. heal my spine and I couldn't walk. and. It was like the energy of the spirit was teaching me to walk again in my belief. And there would be like I had a third eye and something inside of my head would light up. And then all the light energy would go into my body and something would teach me how to move again. And this is why when I'm on the runway, I, I, am, I feel so blessed that I can walk. But other than that, at one point before I even knew anything about kundalini or chakras or anything yes there is a dark side and that's why you have to be so very careful you know with anything that you might take a hallucinatory or you know not understand what that energy is there are dark things you know but without the dark things we cannot be the light and sometimes i remember very young when I was like 16 or 17, there were voices that would want to speak for me. And then those were the demon voices that I had to understand with my choice, with the choice of being a human being, that I did not need to go there. I did not need them to take me there. Yeah, well, it's like, 
your consciousness is a compass, right? So it's like if you're a person that's in a low frequency state, you're going to be able to be affected by low frequency beings. And mm-hmm. in the same way, if you're a being of love and light, you're going to attract that sort of experience into your life. Mm-hmm. The thing that we need to take away from the aspect of the darkness is the fear uh-huh, and the negativity. Yes. Because the darkness is a creation of source, just like everything else is. That is so true. And this, you realize, you know, some people are very afraid even just to close their eyes for a minute. Yeah. You know, what are you going to see in there? You know, I was blind, actually. This is another thing that happened to me. And um, I had already been doing my asas, asanas and my yoga and everything. And I was very aware of vibrations when I lost my eyesight quite a while because I was working uh, with some photographers who burnt out my retinas or something happened. And I had lost my sight. But I was very aware of energy around the body. So when I lost my eyesight, first I lost the color, and then everything was in black and white, and then I lost the form of things, and then it just blanked out. And it was very much like what I had experienced in meditation, that I was more sensitive to senses, like the sense of vibrations in the room, the, the feeling of air, the sensations of air and warmth and these things like when you meditate you have a vibration in your body ah, that extends past your body a many 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 levels going out and around you and about you and when i was blind i had already had this knowledge that helped me get through that period of spaciousness around my body and when you do yoga you with your eyes closed, you can come into a space where there is light and that space expands beyond your body to a level that is beyond your body, which is your mind, your level beyond your body. And that mind area is full of so many things. But if you allow it to go beyond that, if you root it into this knowledge of yoga, You can go beyond your mind. You can go into your emotions. Your emotions have so much to it. Those things around you that surround you and all that's feelings. You can go beyond that into your spirit. Totally true. Mm -hmm. Within our initial experience, we experience the body. And then when we feel beyond it, it's in our mind. Mm -hmm. Our mind can expand into the auric field, into the space around us, into the hearts of others. And then we connect to our spirit, which is connected to all things, all people and the trees and the animals and even the inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that is the, the creation of other dimensions and source consciousness. And in there is the surprise. Mm-hmm. And I always try to inspire people that I meet with that are a little bit afraid of it. Like change your fear to curiosity. <laughs> Because the things that you're afraid of aren't even real. And what there is for you to discover is so magnificent and beyond your wildest imagination. And so validating that if you just know that it's there, it does help you experience the human life better. It does give you a sense of peace and calm. People, a lot of the people I work with, my clients, they're worried about the events of the world. And they're bringing all this into their own heart. And I tell them, like, you're creating the world. You're creating it from your perspective. 
So be a part of the creation that sees everything as love, as a divine theater. And you're experiencing that theater within yourself. And you're the actor, the director, the producer. You're the cast. You're the writer. <laughs> you're all of it. So put on a show for yourself. And it's like Muktananda said. Muktananda is Guru Mai's uh, guru. Baba Muktananda. He said, <laughs> life is a play of consciousness. So if we become conscious of our consciousness, we can play. Yeah, and we are at play, and all of it is at play. Even the things that we take serious and our stresses and our fears, it's all a game that we're playing and we're choosing to play the games with the pieces that we're choosing. And if we can bring ourselves back into that state mm -hmm. that we chose to be where we are because we wanted to experience something at that level mm -hmm. and maybe beyond our mind's knowledge, our soul needs an experience so that it can expand further into the multidimensional growth of itself and through its future lifetimes, from its past lifetimes, this beautiful present moment that we're truly gifted in, completely enveloped in the love of source consciousness, completely enveloped in the love of all creation, we could really have a life that is meaningful and peaceful. I'm extremely inspired how you've dealt with the physical difficulties that you've experienced in your life from losing your ability to walk when you were a runway model, losing your ability to see and cancer, yet in each one of those, you took the lesson within it and transformed through it and thus healed. And to hear that is so inspiring for anybody who's facing any physical issue. There's always a lesson within the physical experience. And if you're being limited within your physical experience, it's the best place for you to learn from that level because in certain ways, it's like a gift because you couldn't get that level of experience without that difficulty. So if you can go through it and learn through it, you could become more on the way out and achieve the physical healing that comes with that reward. We're, we're evolving as human beings. And the things that we deal with are so different from decade to decade or century to century. We don't know. We don't know everything. But things that we do know is the true self. And if you just carry that little seed with you, Johnny Appleseed, <laughs> no matter what planet you land on, you'll be able to plant those seeds of nourishment somehow. You know? And your karmic work, try to make the choices now that you will be able to carry with you that little seed pouch. Nothing's guaranteed. Yeah, just be what you are all the time mm -hmm. and the universe will give you everything that you need to succeed and to find the love and to be the love. And, you know, the mm -hmm. whole thing about love is love is a word, but what you're seeking is an experience. And that experience is openness. It is a passion for your life. It's passion for the lives of the people around you as if they are you. And you're rooting for a collective success that extends beyond your own ego and into the hearts and minds of the entire world. And by being that, you're being a part of it. Yeah, we're only here for a moment. It. We're just like, you know, here for a moment. And, you know, having this experience is so wonderful. And all some people, you don't know why their life is so hard. They're learning. And we're learning through them. Yeah. We're learning for them. And we're learning for the good of all. Yeah, we're learning with them. Now, you have a lot of projects going on right now. You're a professional artist, a professional model. Last year during the COVID, you put on a show, you were singing. It was magnificent. 
what are some of the projects that you're working on currently? I know you have a movie you're working on. You have your own <laughs> podcast. <Yeah>. If you guys, <laughs> if you guys c- could be in the presence of, of Pat Cleveland, you would be inspired. <laughs> well, we all try to do things that bring us joy, but we don't only do it for ourselves. We do it for the people who are involved with us. And sometimes I, I am offered things just out of left field or things that maybe I wished for and hoped to do. You know, I always loved music and my dad was a jazz saxophone artist and I never really got a chance to express that as much as I wanted to. But now I have songs to sing and I have someone writing for me and, you know, I'm falling in love with music and my songs are going to be an album and I'm falling in love, you know, with this new thing that I get to play with. And I think anyone that is given anything and just kind of go along with it, not in a grabby, anxious way, but in just sort of like, who's involved with you and what does it mean? What's the value? The value of any kind of talent that you may have been given is to share it. And if someone sees a little value in you and you see a little value in them, something's going to come out of it, a good cookie or whatever, you know, it's a song. It's just, it evolves you. It makes you see the world differently. And all of my little songs that I get to sing that my friend writes, Maurice Lynch, and oh my gosh, it's wonderful. I, I just can't wait to get this album done. So I'm going to be performing in May, and I'm going to be performing a few times coming up now. And um, I think this is a challenge for me, a new world, you know, putting my foot into a new world and writing lyrics and stuff like that. I've always written lyrics. Um, I remember when I was in London, I used to hang out with Ringo and Paul and my God, we used to brainstorm. Those songs. are the Beatles, if you guys don't know. <laughs> I used Pat's to... talking about hanging out with the Beatles, <laughs> writing music with the Beatles. And I used to hang out with uh, Mick Jagger, and we'd sit at the piano <laughs> and brainstorm some kind of, you'd so cold or something. I don't know. And me and Grace, we would just be in the back of the car and say, Grace who? Jones, Grace Slick? Jones, Grace, Grace Jones. Grace Jones, oh my God. And, but I remember when I was young, I met Giorgio Gamelski, and he was the producer of the Beatles and the Stones and all of those people up in Crow uh, Daddy in London. And I was only 15, and I, when I told you I had all of this music coming to me, he discovered me at the same time he's discovered the Beatles, but my mom wouldn't let me go to London. So I was only 15, and I, I wasn't allowed to go, but now... Somehow it came back around, so uh, I guess I'm on another round of feeling something new, you know, for my spirit to come back to life in every moment. Singing, painting, and the movie that I'm working on is from my book, which is on Amazon, by the way, Walking with the Muses, and it's about my walk through my fashion life with all of these wonderful creative people like Carl Lagerfeld, the designer, Tonio Lopez, the illustrator, Yves Saint Laurent, all these wonderful Stephen Burroughs and my journeys um, around the world. And, um, well, I'm writing that with a producer 
a Jamie Foxx and his daughter, Corrine Foxx. Oh my gosh, I'm having a great time. I'm just trying to put some love somewhere and let this thing, whatever little thing you might have, you know, don't be shy to develop it because you never know where it's going to take you. And so far, all of these little projects have put me in touch with fun people, people I want to be with, the healers, the healers. I wanted to talk about that too. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah, that's incredible. Now, if you could give one piece of advice to the entire world, if you had the whole world listening, Mm. what would you say and what advice would you give them? There's only one thing to believe in, and that is your true self. And that means that divine goodness in you, no matter what happens, something bad, you could do something bad. But please forgive yourself at all times because that's your true self and move on and do the best you can with what you have because that's important for your soul. To forgive yourself, to move on, to be strong in that beautiful true self that you are forever moving forward like a chariot into the stars that could be you forever beautiful in love with the moment that you have to express your life here in the after I bet if everybody in the world heard that they would be different they would be healed and they would be better than they were Pat, thank you so much for joining me today on Monk in the Mountain. You are an angel. You're a saint thank here you. in this world. Stay. I am so grateful for your experience and you sharing everything that you've shared with us today. I hope to have you again. For anybody out there that doesn't know Pat Cleveland, check out her story. Check out her Amazon work. Look for her art. And if you just Google her, you will be enthralled by the wealth of experience she's had. So... From my deepest love, thank you for joining me today, Pat. Gonkotri, namaste to you. I can't wait to do this again, and have a blessed day, everybody. You deserve to ride the chariot of your soul that was made for you by God itself. I love you, and I'll see you guys soon. Namaste, Sean. Thank you for listening to this episode of Monk on the Mountain podcast. If you or anyone you know would like to share your spiritual experiences on our show, you can send us an email at themonkonthemountain at gmail.com. If you'd like to inquire about spiritual training sessions or see more of our work, you can visit oneworldpeace.online. And if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, you can follow Sean Energy at one underscore world underscore peace. Love and blessings.